Welcome to I Wish They Knew, a show where leaders in business and education share big ideas that deserve more attention in about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm Joe Hirsch. Today's wish comes from Rob Cross. Rob is a professor of global leadership at Babson College. He's also the director and co-founder of The Connected Commons, a consortium of more than 100 leading organizations accelerating network research and practice. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. (laughs) You've spent a long time studying networks, the size of networks, the way we engage our networks. What do you wish more people knew when it came to networks? Right. I think the biggest thing from my perspective in the research, number one, is that a big network is not necessarily a good one. Um, And that's a real kind of fundamental foundation for so many books or software tools or other devices out there that promote connectivity. It's just this core assumption that big is better. Um, And if you believe that, then you go find people that know a lot of people and follow their advice on how to go build a, a really massive network. Yet what we can see if we really start to look at what are the high performers doing in organizations or more recently, what are the people that are scoring higher on resilience or thriving or satisfaction? uh, It's not a big network. It's a more differentiated network um, and very specific kinds of investments in the quality of the relationships uh, that seem to distinguish those people that are doing better. So uh, that would be the first thing I would say. And intuitively, most people know it. If I ask most people, on a given day, if they themselves want another phone call, email, or meeting in their lives, no hands shoot up. Right? We, none of us really want you know, more and more collaborative demands placed on us, um, but we have a tendency to default to that as the approach for collaboration or networking, and I think it's a trap that, that, that hurts us over time. What are people doing, aside from just instinctively trying to grab more time and um, more share with, with networks? that are getting in their way of actually leading more productive, healthier, and successful lives? I think there's a, there's a series of patterns that we can see in networks that lead people to derail uh, over time. And so I've been at this for 20 years, you know, 300 organizations, a thousand times we've run these analytics to see uh, the people that kind of continue to rise in organizations. And you see a, a number of uh, derailers. So one very common one is somebody that's promoted up in an organization, yet continues to hold with 60, 70% of their trusted ties back where they came from, right? Makes sense, right? They're people you know, you trust, that know you. But if you allow them to shape too much how you're thinking about a new domain, a new problem space, a new solution, and ignore or don't allow other voices that are suddenly relevant to get to you, then it leads to decision biases, right? And we spend a tremendous amount of time in leadership programs focused on decision biases that occur between the six inches, between the ears, right? The, you know, cognitively, yet they also exist in how things get to us and how we create ecosystems that uh, enable that to happen. So there's a, there's a series of five of these traps that we can see short circuit people's careers over time. But at the absolute heart of it, I think, is this question of are you playing offense or defense in relationship to the way you're managing connections around you and the people that i consistently see doing better uh, are more proactive in finding ways to get systematically on the on the margin on the small things never the big things but it's the small things they're finding ways to buy back time um, and then they're investing that time a little bit more 
and thinking about where are my North Star objectives and where do I want to be putting time that'll pull me into who I want to be over time, both at work and at home. The people that I talk to in all these interviews that are on, you know, second or third divorces or children that don't like them that much or themselves physically unhealthy, they have fallen into this trap of letting the system to define them too much. Right. And so they just think, OK, in six weeks, it's going to get better. In 12 weeks, it's going to be better um, if I just fight through the system. And they're the ones I worry about the most. Right. They work a little bit incrementally harder each day, deeper into the night, further into the weekend. And eventually it, it doesn't work. Right. Something gives and, and it starts a, a negative spiral. So for me, at the heart of it, it's that idea of not letting the system shape you as much as you think you need to, right? Being proactive and on the margin, finding ways to, to buy that time back and then to invest in different ways. What are some good pieces of advice you would share with someone who's scaling up in his or her career and doesn't want to fall prey to the system the way you're describing? What can they do to buy back that time and broaden their base? Right. So I think, you know, a really critical thing is to be systematically looking for ways that you can create collaborative efficiency. So one of the things we know is every promotion, every transition uh, involves, you know, having to kind of take on greater collaborative intensity of work that you're a part of uh, at the same time that you have to expand your, you know, reach in organizations or do other things to supplement skill gaps. So we find the people that do better, you know, they're more likely to put structure into their world differently. Uh, they strategically calendar on Friday night or Sunday night for one week up to four weeks out to build in um, elements that, that are, are work that they want to be doing. Uh, they're much more likely to block reflective time uh, in their calendar. If you don't do that, you should be, um, because we know that just the act of looking down at a text and back up can be a 64 second loss. Uh, and our abilities to kind of stay on on task. If you really allow a thought to completely lose, um, you know, what was in your mind, you get about a 23 minute recovery time period. And so that's real time, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, you allow that to happen three times, there's an hour, right, that you're yeah. working deeper into the night. Uh, so there's a lot of tactics like that around how you put structure in, how you manage your own triggers to jump in, and then behaviorally, how, how are you running email? Uh, how are you using meetings? and just putting structure in that on the margin buys time back. That's the nature of this game is you, it's never one big thing or you would have done something about it. It's the small things that if you're more systematic on, you can, you can get time back. And then on the other side, if I had you know one idea, there's many more behind this, but one core principle that I would say is to have at least one and usually two or three groups outside of work that you maintain and you're doing things with. So. The people that I talk to, these can come from athletic pursuits, like a tennis group, a running group. Uh, they can come from book clubs, from poetry, from music, religion, uh, all sorts of other spheres of life that enable you to pursue something that you care about, but you suddenly are surrounding yourself with very different people that are coming at this thing from all walks of life. And it, it makes you somebody different, right? It, it actually gives you a, a little bit of a different perspective on things. It creates a broader identity. And it helps you not get trapped in the minutia of work, to be really honest, you know, for two different reasons. One is you just don't have the time to get the small things, you know, to absorb you as much. And two is you just have it in different perspective, right? You just kind of look at the small things and you go, that's a small thing. <laughs> uh, and the people that I see struggling, and I mean this very deeply based on all the interviews I've been doing, they're the people that have let the system overwhelm them. They're not creating that space. 
and then they're falling out of those groups. And in, in COVID, obviously it's happening because the stress has risen at the exact same time we've been pulled out of those groups, if you're not proactive in keeping in them. Or as I watch more longer term career paths, a lot of times age 35 to 40, you see, especially for the primary breadwinner, people's physical health starts to fall. They're pulled out of these groups that matter to them because of the responsibilities that accrue. Um, so you've got to play offense, right? And that's what I mean a little bit by that. You've got to be fighting to get the time back. This is a, it's a brawl, not a ballet. I keep saying it's, it's on the margin. Um, and then you've got to be aware of, you know, what are those two or three groups outside that I'm going to hold sacred and not allow to be taken away from me? And it's not hobbies, right? It can be things you're doing with your children's friends, parents around the soccer field, mm -hmm. right? It, it happens in very different ways. But the people that lose that are the ones that, that suffer. It's about taking charge and creating small wins through consistent behavioral changes. Right, right. And I think people, there's something really weird to me about uh, connections, right? And, and, and the, the invisibility of these relationships on us. I mean, in companies, we can track airline receipts or meals down to two decimal places. Yet we have no understanding of where people are spending 85, 90% of their time on the phone, on email, or in meetings. And we're not managing that, right? The collaborative activity as a, as a resource. And I see the same thing with people. If you ask them to define their most significant accomplishment in life, they will initially tell you a story about themselves. But if you back it up and say, okay, tell me why you did this thing to begin with. They'd, they'll nominate five or six people, right, that they interacted with. And who supplemented skill gaps? Another five or six people. And who helped pick you up when things didn't go well? Maybe another three or four people. Um, and, and so it's this rich ecology that we just forget. I think we're limited cognitively. We can't remember phone numbers from point A to point B, and we just forget, you know, all the effect of these interactions. Um, and I find the people that do it better, they're just taking a leap of faith, right, that just kind of keeping connected in these in these spheres and being intentional to your point about it do better great advice rob thanks for sharing your wish good deal thank you so much thanks for listening if you like what you heard please rate and review the show it helps others find us for more ideas on how to communicate with impact visit my website joehirsch.me see you next time